Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to this episode of The Muse Report. On this episode, I sat down with Kawana Watkins. Uh, she is the CEO and founder of KW Global Solutions, uh, where they do uh, consulting and corporate finance. And uh, we get into her career and, and her story a little bit, but what really blows me away in this interview, which I just loved, was uh, her story of jumping out of her comfort zone to pursue something that she knew she was meant for. So uh, she was doing quite well uh, working with, she tells us how she worked with a number of companies and she found her sweet spot and she was doing quite well for herself, was able to live comfortably and uh, do what she wanted to do and felt quite comfortable and settled in. But um, something inside of her just said, I can do more and uh, she kind of struggled with that which we talk about a little bit and how she overcome that initial fear of doing something that you don't know the outcome of which I just thought was amazing uh, we also talk about her travels a little bit uh, Kawana is a world traveler she's been to more countries than I can count on my hands I'm pretty sure um, and she tells about tells us about some of her her travel stories and her favorite countries and some of her not so favorite countries as well so i think that you will thoroughly enjoy this uh kawana is a super enthusiastic voice that i'm sure you will love to hear her stories uh i know i did and i think you're in for a treat for this episode so thanks for tuning in if you are listening to this episode just take a quick screenshot of it on your phone post it on your instagram story and then i'll be looking at it tag us at us the muse report podcast at the muse report podcast on instagram um or you could take a picture and put it on facebook if if you're on facebook the same thing um the muse report podcast on facebook and i'll be reposting all of those uh story posts on my instagram story the muse report podcast instagram uh and shouting you guys out just show me that you're listening show me that you're tuning in dm me telling me uh what you thought of the episode or what you're expecting next i will be reposting those responding uh when you post those and it just helps get the word out a little bit about what you are listening to and helps me know who is listening as well so i would appreciate that remember uh the muse report podcast on instagram and facebook uh that's about it we're gonna get into this episode I think we're going to queue up the theme song. Let's go. Loading. It's a case study for success. Be teachable. What better way to learn than to just ask? The learning process becomes a journey. Turning dreams into realities. Part of execution is is totally believing whatever you're doing is going to work. What are your passions? And what are your gifts? And that's where it really starts. Chances are for taking. Take a chance on yourself. Any and everyone is capable of being a leader. You're not going to have all the answers immediately. Wow. Mentors to, to expose you to things that you otherwise wouldn't know. It was all I thought about and dreamed like I, I would literally get up in the morning practice because I knew the opportunity time would come. Just do it.
Um, I've always been interested in process improvement. I've always been interested in consulting. And I don't know, I just had this vision running my own business. Like that's just what I saw for myself. But it's funny, I remember like a few years ago, like telling that to people, but like, even though I had that vision, I wasn't doing anything towards it. You know, like if people were to say, what's your five-year plan? I didn't have one. I was just like, huh, ah. because mm-hmm. I was comfortable. I was comfortable at my job, you know, got paid, paid well. Um, I was doing well. I had flexibility. And so like things were good. There was no reason for me to, to shake things up and, and, and follow my passion. I was just comfortable. Um, but, and, but the biggest, but, but things like things kind of transpired at work where I was like, you know what? I think I want to do something different. And, um, one of my clients who had wanted to hire me, uh, contact had, had actually contacted me about working there. And I went to talk to the CFO and, he was asking me a lot of questions and he was like, you need to decide what you want to do. And I was like, you know what I do? <laughs> because, you know, he's like, you're bright and you have all this one, but you're like, you, he, he's like, you decide what you want to do. He's like, this is what we can offer you, but you need to figure it out. So I was like, that's a good point. So I started thinking about it and I was like, you know what? I love what I do. I love it so much. You know, the Lord has blessed it. You know, I'm pretty good at it, but I was like, I just want to do it for myself. Like, I don't want to do it for other people. You know, it got to the point where, you know, for all of our new clients, you know, I was the main one going in, talking to them about what our services were. I was kind of, you know, saying this is what we can do. Then when we get the work, I would be the one running the project. I'd be managing the budget. I'd be the one dealing directly so with the client. you're doing everything already. <laughs> so I was like, why am I doing this for somebody else? Especially yeah. because also I had other clients who were saying after they met me, like, oh, she has to be on the project. So I'm like, if the Lord is blessing me with that favor, like, why am I doing this for somebody else? But my fear was, I don't have the networking connection. Like, where am I going to get the business? I don't have children who go to school with, you know, so-and-so's child who's a CEO here, or I don't play golf at the country club, you know? So that was my biggest fear. Um, So that's what kind of held me back from doing it. But I talked to um, a mentor, one of my mentors, and he was like, Kawana, you will have no problem getting work. Like, he was like, there's enough work out there. People will come to you. You don't have to go look for it. And so I was like, okay. Um, and what ended up happening is some people who had wanted to hire me. So they reached out to me and I was, I initially was talking to them about working with them. And I was like, once I'd made my decision to go independent, I said, no, you can't hire me, but you can subcontract with me. Like I'm not, you know, I won't come. And so they had two projects for me there. And then when I left my company, I had a huge project already going on and I knew that the client would want any, no one but me. Mm-hmm. And so my company kind of had to subcontract back with me. Um, I, I didn't do that like strategic. It just was what it was. And mm-hmm. so I had those three projects going on. And then the Lord has blessed that um, recruiters call me every week with either full time or contract work. And so I ended up um, having a recruiter. I have another project through a recruiter. And then one of my clients referred me to another client. So I have business through them. So I've been working since January and it's October. And literally I, um, I have no website. <laughs> um, I don't even have cards made. And I have been so busy that like Theodore and I are working like full time. Like the Lord has just brought the business to me. Wow. So I haven't even had time yet to slow down. And I've, I've, I've worked on the website, but I haven't had time to, I literally have not had time to finish it. Um, but I've been so busy. I haven't had to. So that's I'm not good, saying that's a good excuse. That's a blessing. <laughs> you know, that is a blessing. That is a blessing. I actually had two, 
two people contacted me about two weeks ago with two full-time projects and I had to tell them I can't like I can't wow. so wow, wow. it's a blessing like I'm like Lord like I can't even believe you know again I have no website I don't even have a website you know like so once things slow down you know then I'll finish the website and then I'll start reaching out but I haven't even I haven't even done that like wow. this yeah that leap of faith was it Wow. It it was it it was it, it was quite a leap because it's like I'm not married right so if I'm not bringing any income who's gonna pay my bills like I don't have someone to pay my bills for me it's not like you know it's not like if we have a shared income and there's a pot right. you know it's on me and so it was scary but um, I fasted and prayed about it and and when that CFO had told me to think about it like when I really gave it thought I was like this is really what I want to do and I. It's like I had such a peace about it. I was excited. I was like, you know, and so I ended up going out to eat with one of my old coworkers, one of my coworkers at the time. And we were friends and I was kind of complaining about the things I wasn't happy about at work. And she was like, Kawan, like, why aren't you doing your own thing? And I was like, I'm scared. Like all of my friends, I was complaining. I was like, I had like a couple things going on at the same time at work that was just making me so upset. And so I was complaining constantly. And my friends were like, why aren't you doing your own thing? And I was like, I'm scared. I'm scared. And the one friend told me, she's like, Kawana, do you have any money saved? I said, yes. She was like, why don't you just try? She was like, the worst thing that can happen is you'll have some time when you don't have business and you might go through some of your savings. But then the time you do have business, you'll be building it back up. Mm-hmm. She was like, but I don't think you're going to ha- have a problem finding business. But she was like, but if you do, you have that money. And I was like, OK, that's true. And then um, she made the point. She's like, and then if it doesn't work out, you can always come back. You know, you know that we'll hire you back or, um, you know, you have recruiters calling you. And I was like, you know what? I don't want to look back and have regrets. I don't want to look back and say what could have been. And I was like, why not just try? So that's that's what I did. Yeah. Like the more I interview people, I'm noticing like the worst or the thing that gets in the way the most of lots of people is fear. Mm-hmm. And it usually seems the thing that they're most fearful about ends up being the catalyst for their greatest success. Mm. So it's something. And we did an episode actually with um, A.T. Wesney where he talked oh, about yeah. the philosophy of fear. Um, and just getting over that hump, it's crazy. I was just did an interview before this one and we were talking about how um, he's an artist and um, he wanted to put out a piece, but he was scared mm. and um, he didn't think he, he wasn't sure if everybody would like it or if it would take off or things like that. So, but it ended up being the thing that pretty much set off <laughs> his <laughs> career. Um, yeah. Yeah. So like that fear thing. And I, and I, and I mean, I watched tons and tons of motivational speakers, YouTube videos and things like that. And um, this guy, Gary V the, the phrase that he coined is uh document over create. Which basically means push your stuff out there, like keep mm-hmm. keep doing your thing instead of mm-hmm. trying to make this perfect scenario where everything is going to go OK, because that's right. how you lose. Um, years ago, when I was working one time, one of the controllers at my at my job took me out to eat. And she was like, you know, did you feel pressure having a dad that was a doctor and a mom that was a lawyer? Like, did you feel pressure? Like, did they try to pressure you to do one thing or another? And I was like. No, like literally all they did, they said, you can be whatever you want. They said you, they just continued to pour into me. Like 
Anything you want to do, you can do it. You know, anything you set your mind to, and we expect greatness. Like it wasn't like taskmaster. They just instilled belief, you know, and they made me believe in myself. And it's, it's not something that I even realized was happening until I got older and found everybody doesn't do that. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, like, this, that's just, to me, that's just normal. Yeah. My aunties and uncles at church, like they just expected greatness and they just told me, you're capable of this. Oh, baby girl, you're going to do this. And so that just, like, that's just what got into my head. And so um, I went to um, Oakwood College um, for, um, oh, Mm. I got into finance because I took a I class. I was going to ask that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So I have always, so my parents, they really, when I was growing up, I don't know why, I just had this desire to like either be a, um, a cashier at a grocery store or like, n- not like as a career, but like do that. Oh. Or um, I wanted to work at, at, at um, Cheesecake Factory. No, no, no. But like yeah. when I was there, I was like, oh, this seems cool. Like I wanted to do like as a summer job. That's what I mean, as right. a summer yeah, job. yeah, yeah. And they would not let us do that. And I was like, what? Like, that seems like it'd be, I don't know. But they right. made us they made us work in their office. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, both of my parents work for themselves. And I was like, oh, womp, womp. But they were teaching us different things about how to navigate in a professional environment. And so um, in my mom's office, you know, I had to do a lot of writing and all that kind of stuff. So she really pushed me when it came to that. But in my dad's office, we'd be in there every summer. And that's when I got exposure to wanting to improve things because I, you know, I'd see different things about how the office was running. And I was like, oh, if they do this, this will, you know, be more efficient. If they do this, they can get in. You know, he's taking too long with this client because, you know, he's so personable. Like, Mm -hmm. he'll just be Mm -hmm. talking. And I'm like, like, no, 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 no. You need to get to the next patient, you know. And so I'd be cramming people in and like giving him less time and, you know, just things to, you know, like increase business. And I was like, I love this. And what I realized, and this is when I was in high school. I was like, doctors and all that, they're great at medicine, but they may not be wonderful at like running the business. And right. I was like, yeah. there are probably other people like him who need somebody like me to come in and help them see how to run their business better. So that was what my plan was from high school. That's what I saw myself doing, coming, going someplace and helping people you know, run their business better. Um, so I took an accounting class in high school and it clicked. I was like, oh, I love this. Like, I just loved accounting and um, yeah. So my major in college was accounting initially. <laughs> and then I realized that accounting is just crunching numbers and finances like the analysts. Yes, I mean, yeah. and I was like, oh, that's more interesting than crunching. Like right, crunching yeah. is boring. And so I switched my major to finance because I'm, I'm my, my brain, I'm analytical or whatever. And so I switched over to finance and like, I, you know, I, I don't know. I love business. I love travel. And so that's that's how I got into that's how I got into business. So, you know, graduating from school, um, I ended up getting a job at GE. Um, and I can tell the story of that if you want. But, you know, I was blessed to be able to get a job there. And I got exposure to and the program is so amazing because you're getting exposure to like top level leadership at the company of GE. I'm at the CFO of GE, the CEO wow. of GE. And the, so I was an aircraft, you know, I'm at the CEO and CFO of aircraft. But I'm talking about the whole GE met him. Right. Like. Yeah it was a leadership program. And so we had like quarterly meetings with like the CFO and you get a lot of exposure. You're exposed to a lot of people. And so I remember initially feeling like, man, all these other people went to like Ivy league schools and I'm over here from like Lolo Oakwood that nobody's heard of. Um, but I don't know, God just like made up what maybe I may not have had exposure to in a smaller school. Like I was able to just hang with them, you know? And 
and yeah, so so I did that, and then like I said, I, I moved into Deloitte. Wow, yeah. So from what I, I'm grasping, you you know working in those in your mom and dad's office, both of them being entrepreneurs, having their own businesses, their own practices themselves. You kind of was that. Do you see that kind of being like the foundation of your kind of entrepreneurial desire that drive in you to kind of want to venture out and do your own thing? You know what? Subconsciously, yes. Like, it's not like I looked at them and said, oh, okay, I want to be like mommy and daddy having, having their own thing. Because the thing that was interesting is being an entrepreneur is has highs and has lows. Oh, yeah. And so <laughs> watching them, I saw both, you know? Mm. So I was like, wow, wow, oh, this, yeah. this is risky. And as a matter of fact, I'm like super risk averse. Like, and so I'm like, oh, that's too risky, you know? <laughs> but, and the reason why I say subconsciously is because I think though, just watching it, when I had the vision of myself, it was like running my own thing, but it wasn't, that was even knowing that it was, I don't know. It's, it's, it's like, I feel like it, it, it became a part of me without me actually sitting and making a conscious yeah, decision. But that, like, so that just became the vision that I had for myself, I guess, because that's what I saw, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah. It's interesting that you said that because that's such a good exposure because now in this, like maybe like the past two years going onward, entrepreneurship is cool. Like yeah, you see yeah. them, like they follow me on Instagram every day. These entrepreneurs who uh, <laughs> have their own whatever it is, and like now it's like cool. Like your entrepreneurs are rock stars, right. and um, I mean before you kind of look got looked at crazy, like oh, so you're you're trying to be broke kind of type right, thing. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. But um, the tables are, are slowly turning. But the fact that you didn't just see, you know, the glory things that people put on social media or on their website or whatever, you got to see the highs and the lows of like right. what it really means to be an entrepreneur that it's really hard and you got to work lots of hours and so much work. And if you don't do it, you will crash and burn. So yeah. like um, I find that so interesting how it kind of affected your how you were like, uh, do I really want to go into this? Or, you know, trying to find that safety, you know, kind of yeah. a little bit. Which I yeah. think did have its purpose. And we could kind of get into that as we go throughout the rest of the story. But I do want to know how you got into the whole uh, GE. How did you get that job offer? How did that even happen when you got inducted into that? whole? That's an amazing company. Like, that's huge. Oh, yeah, it is. It is. Um, and I'll try to I'm, I'm be short. So, uh, you know, I'm super long winded. I can talk forever. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is the pl- platform but, to do it. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> but the way it, it's, I, I have to attribute it to God. So I, um, my senior year, you know, that's when you're supposed to do all your interviews and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And so, um, well, I have to I have to step back to my sophomore year and just show how this played in. So I was just chilling, you know, just ready to have a nice relaxing summer. And people were like, oh, no, no, in business, like you need to have internships in the summer. I was like, oh, really? <laughs> Wait, I didn't know that. And so I had um, waited very long. And so a lot of the internships, the dates had closed to be able to get one. I was like, Mm -hmm. shoot. But I happened to be able to get one um, at uh, University of Hartford. It was a risk management um, um, internship. And so you do risk management classes and then you go and work in an insurance company or like in like a risk management department. And so I had no interest whatsoever in that. But I was like, I need to have an internship. And that's the only one that was available. But God was leading in that. Um, So I go and everyone else, every single other person in the program, it was probably like maybe 25 of us, maybe 30. Everyone got placed in an insurance company. Mm -hmm. I am the only one 
who got placed in United Technologies. And United Technologies, this was their first year in the program. Everybody else was like, it's Cigna, Aetna, like everyone, because right. we were in Hartford, which is like the, and United Technologies, they put me in their risk management department. So um, I wasn't at an insurance company. But United Technologies owns Pratt & Whitney, uh, Otis, and Carrier. Carrier, who makes uh, um, air, uh, air conditioners, Otis, who does elevators, and Pratt & Whitney, who does aircraft engines. Okay, so. Oh, wow, I have seen Otis on elevators. Yeah, and you see about that. Wow. And, and Carrier is the one that, yeah. And so, um, so I did my internship, and things went fine. And I was blessed there a number of reasons. One, because I got a mentor there, this lady, black lady, um, who just took an interest in me. And, you know, we ended up continuing our relationship after, and I'll tell you how she comes into play. But then I was working for these two guys, and everything went fine. And my internship was really more chill than everybody else. Everybody else was coming home stressed. And I was like, oh, my, was kind of chill. <laughs> but the project that they gave me, you know, I apparently did a good job. And at the end, I remember they told me, um, um, we don't give out <clears throat> letters of recommendation. And I was like, well, I didn't even ask for one, but okay. okay. And it's funny because I got home two weeks later, and they had mailed me a letter of recommendation. So maybe they were trying to trick me. I don't know. But anyway, I'll tell you how all that comes into play. My senior year, um, <clears throat> I happened to, well, God let me, I was in Walmart. So at Oakwood, you know, like Walmart is right around the corner from the school. Mm -hmm. I was in Walmart and I ran into a teacher, Miss Gunn, who was not even one of my teachers. I didn't even have any classes with her. And she just happened, I didn't even know her. I don't even know that we'd even spoken. And she was like, hey, are you going to the NABA, to the NABA conference? I was like, the what? And National Association of Black Accountants. She was like, yeah. And I was like, I don't even know what that is. And she's like, well, you need to go. Like, that's where they have, um, all the um, all these Fortune 500 companies come and they're looking for minorities to hire. And I was like, oh, OK. And like the deadline was like, I think it had already passed. And she's like, you got to get stuff in tonight. And so I'm like scrambling to, you know, get in all my stuff. And so you send in like your resume and your, your um, transcript and all that stuff mm -hmm. in advance. And then when you go there, the companies review it. And based on how you present, you know, in your paperwork, they decide who they want to interview with. This transaction happened in Walmart? Well, yeah, she she's the one who told me to. Well, she told me to um to sign up for it. Yeah, right. So yeah. She, so she just stopped you, like, oh, while you're putting that bread on the conveyor belt. Yeah. By the way. Yeah. By the way, yeah, yeah. I just ran it. And what's crazy? I wow. didn't even know her. Like, I mean, I knew who she was. Right. She was in the business department, but I didn't take classes. I'm just saying this was God. Like, it That's literally crazy, was. Because yeah. I mean, like, what was the odds? And so I signed up for it. And so when I went to the conference, and my grade, my grades are pretty good. I went to the conference. I remember there were three of us in our group who um, literally had like probably 10 or 12 interviews. Some other people had one, two, three. Wow. Like we had, a, we had a lot. So I interviewed with all the like, with all the generals, General Electric, General Motors, General Mills, um, Bank One at the time, Bank of America. At, I mean, not Bank of America, Nations Bank. This is before their merger. Um, uh, Wells Fargo. I mean, like, I can't. I can't remember all the other ones, but I mean, like we had a full day of interviewing with all these top companies. And when I interviewed with G, oh, and where I wanted to go, where my plan was to go to Nations Bank because I've always liked to travel and I saw Nations Bank in different cities. So it's like, oh, if I go there, I can work in different cities. So that was my plan. Mm -hmm. God had a different plan. So when I interviewed at GE, at the guy with GE, um, I talked to him and I happened to mention what happened at um with my i had my letter of recommendation from my internship he's like oh well let me see that that's impressive and i showed it to me he's like oh well, like this is good and i was like okay so well, you look carried at your book. letter of recommendation with you i just yeah i just brought it i just yeah i just had that it might be a good tip <laughs> yeah yeah i mean and i because it was and i told him i was like it was unsolicited i didn't ask for it 
And I was like, I happen to have it. He's like, yeah, let me see. Uh, and that's the only person I showed it to. Like, I didn't show it to anyone else. So anyway, so you have your first interviews at the conference. And then, and, and the thing that's so wonderful about it, they come there looking for minorities. So, you know, they're going to be, you know, that's what the companies are looking for in that particular conference. And mm-hmm. sometimes it'd be hard to get your foot in the door, maybe other ways. Other way, yeah. So you go through the conference and then based on who likes you, you get some second interviews. So the Lord blessed, and I had a few second interviews. Again, all the ones that I mentioned, those are the ones I remember having a second interview with. So when I went out to um, to GE, no, no, no. When I went to Nations Bank, because that was my first choice, the interview went well, but all I, I didn't get the job. I remember I didn't get the job, and I was so sad, because that's where I wanted to be. And so I had my interview with GE. And when I went out to GE, so they fly you out, and they had you know, put me up in a hotel and they had put some um, information about the company in the hotel to read up on it before you go. And I saw the GE CEO was like the world's most admired CEO two years in a row. And I was like, wow. oh, wait a minute. You know, because GE was not on my radar because in my mind, GE was light, like light bulbs. That's right, all right. I think about GE. Appliances and stuff. Yeah. Like I didn't think it was. a. I, and so I was like, wait a minute. I started reading. I was like, wait a minute. GE is a great company. Wait a minute. Like I didn't realize that. And so when I went for my interviews, and the reason why I mentioned my internship is Pratt and Whitney, I, I, I interview with GE Aircraft. Pratt and Whitney makes aircraft engines. Pratt and Whitney is GE's biggest competitor. So the only ones who make aircraft engines are Rolls Royce, Pratt, Whitney, and GE at the time. And so when they saw that on my internship, I mean, on my resume, like when I was going for my interviews at GE, it became like a joke or a little icebreaker. <laughs> Every- right. Everybody, they're like, oh, do we need to hide our trade secrets because you're going to go back and tell, you know, and so that just ended up being a blessing right there, you know, because that gave an easy intro for, you know, all of my my talking with, with everybody when I went for the interview and, you know, I ended up getting that job. And when I talked to my mentor, well, actually before that, I, was, I saw the GE was so much, it was way better of a company than Bank Nations of America Bank. or Nations Bank. Yeah, which I wanted for myself. And what's so funny, God is so funny. Because Nations Bank actually called me back and tried to offer me a job. Huh. So, so it was a program that I was getting into, and I guess they had 12 slots, and I guess I must have been number 13. And so uh. one of their people must have declined, so I was the next one. So they called me. They were like, oh. And so, and they were offering less money. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I was like, well, you know what? Send me the offer letter. You know, just I'll look at it. Um, and I called my mentor, who I met, you know, when I was working at UTC. And... She was like, Kawana, she's like, it's not a question. She's like, GE is so much better than than Bank of America. She's like, it's not even, I mean, or Nations Bank at the time. She's like, it's not even a question. And I, I held both of those offer letters so I could say, this is what I had. This is what I saw for myself, but God had something so much better. Hmm. And and so that's how I got into the program at GE. A phenomenal program. Um, and it's so crazy because, you know, after I graduated and I was working, like my mom would be calling me like, you know, can you talk to this person from this school, like this Ivy League school or this person? Not like a ton of people, but a few, because these were people who were out of school and could not find work. And they were, she was like, you know, they just want to know, like, how did you do it? And I'm like, like the Lord ordered my steps. Had I not run into her in the in the in the Walmart, right. I don't know what you know, I don't know what I would have done. I just I didn't have any plans. <laughs> but the Lord, he he set it up. And working at GE is one of the best things I could have done. Having GE on your resume opens so many doors. It's a wow. top company. I got exposure. Oh yeah, so that's so that's how I ended up at GE. So I, I started doing consulting at Deloitte. Mm-hmm. I was there for I think uh, maybe four years, and then that's when I wanted to get off the road, and um, and I went to Morgan Franklin, and I was there until I left. So you said you wanted to get off the road, so it was having you travel a lot at Deloitte. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're on the road Monday through Thursday, sometimes Friday, depending on the, the project. Yeah. Wow. So what kind of traveling were you doing with them? Like, was it from city to city or? No, no. So it's you just be like be on a project. So depending on the, the, the length of the project, you know, if it's a few weeks, a few months, it can be a year. Um, I think I actually was on a project almost a year. So, you know, I had one project I had to go to Dallas every week and that was a pain because, you know, the time difference. And then that one actually had to stay till Friday. So that was annoying. I'd have to leave on Friday morning to come back home. Wow. And so uh, I had other ones in New York. New York wasn't bad because you can take the train. I liked the New York projects, but still um, I had a few in New York. I had one in North Carolina. Um, I had one. Where else was I? And then I had one actually in Virginia for a while, so that was not bad. I did that one. That was over a year. Um, oh, Atlanta. Oh, I was Atlanta for about a year. Um, so, yeah. Wow. So, I mean, so the traveling, so it has pluses and minuses. You know, I liked the traveling. Um, and, you know, while I was with Deloitte, I ended up being on a project, and I got to go to um, Spain and Thailand again. How crazy. I went to, go to, went to Puerto Rico with work. I went to um, Mexico with work. I went to France and I went to um, to um, Germany, all that with wow. work. So I was blessed to get on. Like, I didn't have a hell experience like at all. But the, the travel, it, it makes you tired. Like when you come in, especially let's say just a Thursday one, Monday to Thursday, which is more normal. I mean, I'd put my bag down Thursday night, Sunday night at like nine. I'm like, oh, no, I haven't even moved my bag from the door and I have to get on the road again in the morning. It just it just it can, it can wear on you. Um, but there are a lot of perks. You get your points. I had all kinds of points, mm -hmm. all kind of, you know, traveling first class all the time. You, you know, you get upgraded because you have status. But it can it also can be just very tiring. You're living out of a suitcase. Um, you're always eating in restaurants. Some people like that. I did it for five years and I was over it. I was over it. Mm. Okay. So that's one thing that I did notice right from the jump. I mean, your Instagram <laughs> is just like so eclectic. Like it's just the travel pictures with like you like in some desert somewhere looking <laughs> like I'm like, where is she? Like <laughs> where is she this week? So <laughs> um, I kind of wanted to get to that because oftentimes – um, we can equate success or uh, turning your dreams into reality as having money or having status or having uh, a successful career. But right. I feel like life is so much um, has so many more dimensions to it. And um, I mean, clearly you've, you've had a successful career, but I mean, I'm sure there every person has more than one part of them. You can't just have your career and that be your whole life. So when it went to. Um, traveling which i see that you like to do it seems like as a hobby um mm -hmm. was that always a part of your dream did you always like to travel i've always been interested in travel yeah yeah i have and this again goes back to growing up and my parents trying to give us every opportunity that they could sacrificing so much to make sure that the children had more than they did so i started traveling when i was young actually so i Played the violin, even though I hated it, it gave me exposure to a lot of things. So I was in the, this this orchestra called the Adventist Youth, well, Adventist Youth Ensemble, which is a group of maybe, I don't know, maybe 12 of us young, young kids. And so with that group, we traveled a few places. Like I remember us going to Bahamas. I remember we played at the Kennedy Center. We play at local churches and probably a little other traveling with there. But then I was in the orchestra at Tacoma Academy and the orchestra took us to um, London 
and Iceland um, and Scotland on one big trip. I remember that. And then, um, so, you know, the travel started. And then um, uh, there was an exchange program between, um, um, I guess, Maryland or, you know, United States and this school in Spain, Segundo de Adventista. And so some friends and I, our senior, our sophomore year in high school, went to Spain for six weeks. And so, I don't know, I just love so much like the exposure to other things and cultures is just so interesting to me. And so it all kind of happened organically. Like, I've always loved it. And it's funny because I remember in my eighth grade um, yearbook, we had to put, you know, what we were going to do. And I had business and I changed it to international business because I've always wanted to travel. And so and and I've never like sought after it. Just things have just ended up happening, you know. And then, um, you know, we went to Mexico for our, our class trip. But then when I got to college, um, I signed up to do a mission trip in Haiti. I didn't end up going, but that's when I got my passport. And once we got out of college, my friends and I started doing a little bit of traveling. And then I started like expanding and going with different sets of friends and just started just going all over. So I've been so many places. I love traveling so much. Like every time I run into somebody, they're like, oh, what, what are you doing in the States? Like, right, well, yeah. why, why aren't you someplace? <laughs> or they're like, what's your next trip? And I'm like, somebody, I just had a friend over today and she was like, where's your next trip? I was like, well, you know, right now for next year, I'm thinking about Scotland, I mean, not Scotland, Switzerland and um, Bali. So I have to wow. look into that some more. But yeah, I want to go places I haven't been, but I love traveling so much. And so, you know, yeah. So how many, how many do you know how many countries you've been to? No, I started trying to count. So I, 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 I started a new Instagram page. So on my last trip, people have told me to do this before. They're like, start, you know, having a travel page. And I was like, no, no, no. And, and one person like kept pestering me. And so when I got back, I was like, okay. So I started an Instagram travel page called Away With K. And when I was started posting my pictures, I didn't realize I've been so many places. I was like, <laughs> oh my goodness. And so I started like counting in my head, but I haven't written down. So I need to write down to try to write down how many countries but I've been to a lot. I don't. I don't remember. I don't What's remember. your favorite country so far? I don't know. I don't know. People ask me that, <laughs> and I don't know. I, I love many. I'll say I, I have. Let's say I have a top list. I don't know if I have one. I loved Greece, so I've been to Greece twice. You know, I just came back from there. I was there in August. I love Greece. It's so beautiful. I will go back there again. Love Greece. I love Morocco. I loved oh. Morocco. So many, um, so many things to see. It's like sensory overload. Morocco was amazing. Uh, I love South Africa so much. I will go back to South Africa. I will go back to Morocco. Um, those are the top three that come to mind without even thinking about it. Um, oh, no, no, no. I, oh, my goodness. I went to Italy this summer, too. Uh, the south of France, I want to go back there. France, that whole Everything I did this summer, I want to do it again. So we did, like, Florence. I want to go back there. Um, we did the Amalfi Coast. Capri. Oh, I want to go back there. Um, oh my gosh. So yeah, all of those were great. All of those I want to go back to. I love Barcelona. Love Barcelona. Um, yeah. So I love a lot of places. I've only had one place that I did not have a good experience in. Um, but yeah. Where was that? Can you say that? (laughs) Yeah, it was, it was India. Um, but it was the part that we went to. It was the part that we went to. Um, the, um, the the pollution oh my gosh it was really? terrible wow. i mean there's trash on the side of the streets and then driving i was like lord we're gonna die <laughs> like they drive so crazy yeah. um and it's just 
you know, one of my friends, I was visiting a friend who worked there and the pollution was so bad, she had to wear a mask because it triggered her, um, her asthma. Awesome. She ended up going to the hospital while we were there. Wow. It's just, it's just so many, it's so many people. It's so, so many people. Many. The food was amazing, but that's why I didn't like it. Cause it, it just was too congested for me. I, I can't focus in all that congestion. I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> but I did go see Taj Mahal. So that was great. Um, but we were in New Delhi and no shade to New Delhi. It was just too many people for me. I just couldn't do it. Yep. So for somebody, because your story, I mean, first of all, you're a great storyteller because I was just like, wow. <laughs> um, but if someone was just so captivated into this interview that they didn't get to, you know, take notes or anything, what's one thing, piece of advice for having someone turn their dream into reality that you would give them that say, okay, pick up your pencil or pen and write this down for going into the future. So even though you're saying one, there are a couple things that I want to say. One of them is um, you have to establish yourself, right? So, um, and you have to become your best self. I would never say for somebody to jump on their own, not having some kind of exposure experience to what you're doing. And I had the blessing and curse of when I was at Deloitte, working for some people who were super anal, super anal. And it was a pain in my butt at the time but I listened to what they told me and I was like a sponge and I took it all in. And so my level of performance rose so much higher. Mm. Um, and so I would say, you know, so by the time I was ready to jump, I was already performing at this level. I had already established a reputation. I had already done. So I wasn't just jumping like, Hey, I'm this newbie. No, I had people who could vouch for me. This is how she performed. This is what she does. So you want to make sure that any feedback that you're getting, what I would do when I would get papers back, like let's say I'd write an email or I could make a deck and it come back with changes as offended as I would be. And I would be nice and offended. <laughs> I would literally, I would look at there, but then I also was humble enough. My dad always said, be teachable, be teachable. I would look at what I had done and I looked at what they would do and I would compare and I would see what did they do differently. And I would start to adjust myself so that I could see, okay, here's what I could do better to, 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 to do better at what I was doing. So I would say, do whatever you have to do, number one, to be your best self. Take the advice of who, speak it out. If you are just going and you don't have somebody who's pouring into you, if you don't have a leader who is like telling you how to do stuff better, find somebody, find a mentor and ask and get advice and let that, um, let that help to, to, to make you who you are. That, having a mentor is invaluable. I have so many people, go ahead. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, I have heard that a lot of times. And I think mentors are absolutely invaluable. But I have also struggled with and I know other people have come to me saying the same thing. Well, how do I find a mentor? How do I put yeah. myself out like, um, or find a good quality mentor who is interested in taking time to help groom you? Uh, you have people that, you know, you could kind of yeah. hitch on to and they're like, oh, yeah, you know, uh, yeah, I'll take you under my wing or whatever. But then they're, they're not really invested. How do you come across? It almost seems like it has to be some type of serendipity involved in order for or some type of divine <laughs> intervention for that to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how do you like put yourself so, in the right place to get that? So, I mean, yeah, I mean, it is, it is part and parcel of just like right place at right time. It's partly that. But it's also partly you kind of putting yourself out there like. And knowing that, no, you may ask somebody and they say no. But, like, I have a number of, like, little informal ment mentees right now. Mm -hmm. People who have just called me and, like, hey, can we go to lunch? You know, and I am one of those people who is going to pour because I was poured into 
So I don't fall into the category of, no, I'm not going to do it. But the fact is, who knows if I was the first person they called? Maybe they called somebody else who said no, but then they made that next call. So, you know, it's like you kind of got to keep your eyes out. I'm spiritual, so I would definitely say prayers and be part of it. Pray for somebody, for God to put somebody in your path. And it doesn't even have to be somebody directly in your field per se. Like, it can just be somebody who is in your life, who you look up to. Um, it could be a teacher, or you could talk to a teacher and say, hey, I'm looking for a mentor. Do you have anybody you would recommend? If the person goes to church, church is a really good place to find. Like, some of my people, they're, they're people from church. Or some of my, or the people who I used to, you know, some of the young girls who I worked with who, who reached out or whatever. Um, but there are a lot of different places. So church is one way to find one. Um, work, I mean, school is one way to find one. And then, like, as you're looking for, um, for jobs, also just ask. Ask people, like, hey, I'm looking for somebody in my field or somebody, do you have anybody you would recommend? Like, don't wait for stuff to fall into your lap. Like, you have to, you have to, make, you have to make things happen. Um, that's what I would say about, you know, you, you sometimes have to take initiative. The other thing I would say, so finding a mentor is invaluable. Um, but then the next thing is, and, and like I said, making yourself your best self. Like, take the advice of when you get it, do not be offended. Sit there and be like, okay, this is just going to make me better. You know, like that's, that's and, and, and that's how you elevate your game. Um, find somebody, you know, that you want to pattern yourself after. And, and then that's how you do the mentor thing. You're like, oh, hey, how did you learn this? How did you know to do that? How, you know, mm-hmm. and most times, that's the thing. Most times, because no one is who they are, in my opinion. No one is who they are without somebody helping. And so I think that most people will want to help. Um, but anyway, but one, two pieces of advice that people, this one guy gave to me years ago that I've carried with me and I tell everybody, um, get comfortable with being, no, no, no. The first one is anything can be learned. That one piece has helped me so much because in consulting, you have to get comfortable being uncomfortable. You get thrown into situations where you don't know, you got to smile and pretend like you know what they're talking about. You can have no idea what they're talking about. But the, the advice of anything can be learned means I may be sitting in that meeting, have no idea what you're talking about, but I can learn it. Right. Like you never, you know, so any, anyone who is doing anything, some things may come naturally to someone and someone else, they may not naturally know it, but they can learn it. So it may take someone seven hours where it only took that person an hour, but at the end of those time periods, you can both be at the same level. Like never feel too intimidated by anything that you're facing. Like, Oh, I can't do it. No, you can learn it. You may have to do more work. I was on one project in Dallas. Whew, that project kicked my butt. Um, they put me on an implementation for Oracle. I had never implemented Oracle a day in my life. I was like, what the heck? And I didn't have anyone who could help me because the, the part that I was run, the, the work stream I was running, um, no one else on the project knew it. I'm like, what the heck? But what did I do that, 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 that advice came in so clearly? At night, I would be home reading. I'd be, le- I'd be doing whatever I had to do. I'd be Googling. And so the client would ask me a question, and I'd be like, oh, okay, well, let me just look into that, you know. Right. You yeah. answer with confidence, like, like you know. And I'd be up. I remember nights being up until 4 o'clock in the morning. And by the next day, I'd get in there, and I'd talk to them, and they'd have no idea that I had no clue what was going on. Mm-hmm. Because you, you can learn it. Anything can be learned. So never be intimidated by not knowing something. The fact is, shoot, this may require more work, but I can learn it. Um, always do your best. Always put your best foot forward. People are always watching. Um, make good decisions. Oh, my gosh. And, um, and yeah, yeah. Those are, those are, those are, those are a few of the big things. You just dropped like a whole bunch of 
bombs on that one. That was so good. Um, wow. Yeah. That, that stuff is so important. It's the, it's the little, it's really the little things that help set you apart. Um, when people are, when people are paying attention, like you said, people are always paying attention. And whenever I have gotten opportunities, it really has been the small things that people notice. Um, yeah. Thanks so much, Kawana. Um, like you were awesome. You were so engaging. I didn't really have to do a lot to make this an awesome episode. Um, and well, there it is. Hope you enjoyed that episode. Uh, please tell me what you think. As I said in the beginning of the episode, you could DM me on Instagram or message me on Facebook, both at the Muse Report Podcast. Uh, screenshot on your phone if you haven't already. If you listen to the episode, put it on your Instagram story and I will look and see who's listening and, and repost some of those stories. Hope you enjoyed Kawana's story. I know I did. Uh, if you want to follow her her travel page on Instagram, uh, it is Away with K, which is K-A-Y. Away with K. You can see some of her travel photos and possibly be inspired to give you some places that you might want to go and visit uh, in the near future. So Thanks for tuning into this episode, uh, Rico. I think we're going to cue the outro. Let's go. Well, that's the end of our MRP episode. Thank you for listening, everything, but it's time to go. We'll have a new one for you next week on the flip side. But until then, don't kill the vibe. Subscribe. Don't kill the vibe. Make sure you go ahead and subscribe. Don't kill the vibe. Make sure you go ahead and subscribe. Don't kill the vibe. Make sure you go ahead and subscribe. Don't kill the vibe. Make sure you go ahead and subscribe.